0: Morning. Nice to have some cooler weather finally, isn't it? Yes. If only we could get the smoke to go away. Anybody sick of the smoke? Yeah. So this morning I want to introduce Mr. Joe Rowland. For whatever the reason, I kept wanting to call him Travis. He's been more than nice enough to correct me on that. So he works at a nonprofit called First Priority. Him and his family are here this morning. He said he's got a one-month-old. And there's another one I assume is probably in children's church this morning. Uh, There are also transplants, like a lot of us, so they've only been here since January, is it? Yes. So he got here at just the right time to experience the the wonders of Colorado and the the COVID and the lockdowns. So anyway, uh, as you all know, Pastor David is at a pastor's conference uh, this weekend, probably eating all kinds of fast food and unhealthy stuff. But uh, let's just pray for him that he's able to refresh himself and maybe spiritually charge his batteries up a little bit. uh, Joel, we just want to welcome you up. Come on up. Yes, that would be great.
1: All right. Well, good morning. It's good to see you. Um, I think that... Pastor David is near my old town, Raleigh, North Carolina. I mean, somewhere out east, you know, if it's out east, it's just out there. East somewhere, right? Uh, but I'm really glad to be here this morning. As uh, he said, my name is Joel or Travis. I'm okay with Travis, too. I don't have a problem with that. If you enjoy my preaching, my name is Joel and if I did terrible, just call me Travis. <laughs> but I, I, of course, it's is my wife and my baby. Here, she is a little over a month old, so anything I say could be sleep-deprived. Um, and I have a son, Lincoln, who is about to turn six years old. And just really glad to be here. Um, really appreciative of Pastor David. He leads the LCN network, which is some pastors in the area I'm sure you're familiar with. But that same network, I had the opportunity to be a part of in North Carolina. And so it was really refreshing to be a part of that network when I got out here and meet uh, David and all of his dad jokes, much like my own. We connected very quickly over that. And just to see the leader he is, and the lead, and he's kind of like a pastor of pastors is the way I view him, and uh, just a breath, breath of fresh air for sure. Um, as he said, I lead a nonprofit that is a ministry called First Priority, and we are reaching teenagers and kids with the hope of Jesus Christ. And would love for you just to pray for us in that. Um, since this is David is your pastor, I thought I would tell a dad joke. Which is um, the reason we're in the book of Hebrews today is because you know what kind of coffee that Moses makes. Hebrews. That was for you, Pastor. Uh, If you're watching online, welcome as well. Um, I've just really been challenged by this text, Hebrews chapter 10. I've been listening to David and enjoying what he's been bringing out from the book of Hebrews. And I think for myself, I've really been uh, just challenged and enlightened a lot, reminded of some really powerful truths that are really easy to forget as we continue as Christians and just to continue to read Scripture. But it also it seems like it's from another time, but also so relevant for where we are today. So I thought I would just read the entire book, uh, the entire chapter of Hebrews 10, not the entire book for sure, but the entire chapter and then talk about it from there. So we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. If you would like to follow along, Um, it says the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins, Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings. You were not pleased. Then I said, here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, he said sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. Then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day, every priest stands and performs his religious duties. Again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. For by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. The Holy Spirit also testifies about this. First, he says, this is the covenant I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. Then he adds their sins and lawless acts. I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is his body. And since we have a great high great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and with full assurance that faith brings and who has insulted the spirit of grace. For we know him who said, It is it is mine to avenge, I will repay again. The Lord will judge his people. It is a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Remember those earlier days after you had received the light when you endured a great conflict of suffering. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to insult and persecution. At other times you stood side by side with those who were treated so treated You suffered along with those in prison and joyfully accepted the confiscation of your property because you knew that yourselves have better and lasting possessions. Do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. You need to to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay. And, but my righteous one will live by faith, and I take no pleasure in the one who shrinks back. But we do not belong to those who straight back and are destroyed, but to those who have faith and are saved. I know that was a lot of reading, but just as I read that whole chapter, there's so much that just speaks truth um, that I probably won't even expound on, but um, that I thought was powerful for us to read. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Um, I'm just reminded just through this series, some of the things that, that David has said, and I was reading back through the book of Hebrews uh, God, just that, that the old covenant was presented by angels and the way they reverenced it and the way they lived by it. And now we have such a a more beautiful covenant that we are sharing here in Hebrews, that Jesus, you are the mediator of this covenant. And I just pray that you would be with us as we just dive deeper into your word and be with me that I can encourage those who hear. In your name we pray. Amen. I, I think this is just really interesting. Um I really found this word in the beginning, shadow, really interesting. Uh, It it really fascinates me that the writer would write and he would use this word that this is a shadow of good things to come. Now, if you consider who this is being written to, the context is to this group of people who are Hebrews, who their heritage and their faith is in this this long faith uh, that we would now probably call Judaism or what they had as a part of Israel. I think it's interesting if you thought about these people, because you had here Jews who had come to follow Jesus and you had what we call Gentiles or other nations who have now come to follow Jesus. And all of these people are trying to figure out how do we follow Jesus together with the heritage that we have. And he's now bringing this into this full picture of what he calls this reality. It's no longer just a shadow, but a reality. And I want to dive into that word shadow a little bit more. The English definition of the word shadow is just simply a dark area or shape produced by a a body coming between rays of light and a surface. You think about it like a trees, they cast a long shadow that you see. I was diving in a little bit into the Greek and Hebrew and it talks about that um, this is like a shade that is caused by the interception of light. We know that it could be an image or an object that is being represented. Um, Even more so, we have uh, verses that talk about the shadow of death, how you walk through the shadow of death or you were hid in the shadow of the almighty. It seems that it could be a, a defense type word, a hiding place type word. And I just find it fascinating that this was the picture that was used as uh, the writer began in chapter 10, that the law is only a shadow of things that are to come. And I think that that in this particular point in history, it's, it's really a really big deal that he used the word shadow. It's countercultural. Um, if you consider this, that the Torah or the Tanakh or the Old Testament or Old Covenant, he's telling these people that this heritage that they have that it was only a shadow intercepting something greater to come. He's telling that, it, that it's only this image that has been cast by a greater object. It was only a sketch or an outline of something greater to come. You consider this. This was for many, many years where they placed their faith. It was in this covenant that was made with Moses on Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments, the giving of the law. All of the things that went with the Levitical priesthood and the sacrifices And now he says this thing that you've trusted in for so long is only a shadow. There's something greater. It would be a little bit hard to perceive in this time. When I think about a shadow, though, I I think about in our culture, uh, I really think of like Godzilla. When they were in the in the old Godzilla movies, especially the ones that were clay or whatever they were, you had the big uh, shadow that would come, and people would be running and screaming, and they would be looking for this mysterious creature, and then Godzilla comes in and destroys the place. Um, I think of other things in the in the comedy movies where you see this huge shadow, and then it's like a little chihuahua runs out and it's it's barking. It, it, it's not the full picture of what it is, but it's something else. I think about cities. Uh, You can go to certain cities and they cast a shadow. I remember going to Jerusalem for the first time and we drove up and they told us we would see the shadow of the city. And I remember just how beautiful that that was. Um, I also remember anybody ever done shadow stories with your kids where you turn the lights off and you turn the flashlight on and you make dinosaurs and alligators and all of these stories. Uh, Lincoln loves to do that. And the whole point is, is that the shadow is not the thing. The shadow is just a resemblance of the thing that is coming. And I think that this actually solves a lot of like bizarre things and questions that a lot of people have about God and the Bible in our culture. Um, When we think about the history of things, it's really interesting. Um, It was not only Israel, but even other cultures and empires had things like ancient temples. They had animal sacrifice. Um, Many other cultures had priests. And rituals, many of those things were very violent in nature. Um, I've been fascinated that it seems like every empire and and culture like this, they seem to have some view of a creation narrative. They had some view of good and evil. They had a view of of how you would have a relationship with the gods for a lot of them. Um, They had a view of like sacrifice. And many of them anticipated this hero, savior figure that would come. Of course, then we see what Yahweh comes and does is he rescues the people out of Egyptian slavery and oppression and he begins to sketch out the picture of what really all of this is all about. It it makes sense to me too, it kind of brought some things home as I was studying this, it makes sense to me while many of the nations would have looked and they would have some things that resembled even what they did in Israel. If you consider Romans chapter 1, it says for the invisible things of Him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even His eternal power and Godhead so that they are without excuse because that when they knew God they glorified Him not as God neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore, God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. See, all of these things, honestly, they seem really bizarre in ancient culture, to, to me at least. When I think about this, I don't actually live in a culture, I know there's places you can go, but where there's like, temple sacrifices and like where you're going to church and you're bringing in bulls and goats and there's someone who has to kill them. I mean, I can only imagine if Pastor David was dressed up in a robe like slaughtering animals. It would be a really weird culture. But when I look at what Yahweh has done and what the writer is saying here, these are a shadow or a sketch that's bringing us to the full picture. Now, this is what I like, though. The shadow or the sketch was... It was this picture of something, but more importantly, it was the picture of someone. When you think of history more as almost like a painting, the entire thing is this beautiful picture that God is painting throughout human history to point us to the person of Jesus. That the shadow is only a reflection of something greater. All right, just just go with me here. I think I can get to where I need to go. See, the good news announcement is this. that These things were all good. When you think about sacrifice for sins, when you think about forgiveness, when you think about priests who would help you come into the presence of God, those things were all good, but there was something much greater coming, and that is what Jesus would do, the revelation of who Jesus is and how he brings all of this out. See, the shadow of, of a light would shine in a dark place, Matthew says. It gives hope, forgiveness, and salvation, not only to Israel, but to the entire world, that every nation would now have access to to God. As we read through, we read that Jesus is this better sacrifice. Now, I was looking up just again the, the definition of sacrifice, and there's just no way around it. It's a difficult word. For, for some dictionaries, it says that sacrifice has to do with animal slaughter or something being killed. Um, when we think about sacrifice, we may think of of something that's been offered or given up. We may think about sacrificing our image. We may think about a team that sacrifices its victory, or we may even think about a life that's been sacrificed for another. And if you really thought about it, some things that we sacrifice. Um, There's some things that I've had to sacrifice, and you have too, that are beyond our control. I think about when I was 20 years old, um, I lost my, my parents in a car wreck to a drunk driver, and that was completely beyond my control I think about um, a few years later, we lost a child that was completely beyond our control. Um, I think about other things in life that that has happened just uh, for some of us, just from the location we were born in or where we live. There's certain things that we sacrifice that are beyond our control. I think of other things we sacrifice because of of bad decisions. Uh, We're teaching Lincoln about this right now, actually. And Lincoln has learned if this, then that. Uh, So if you throw this, then there's consequences To There are certain things that we've all had to sacrifice or had the consequences of some kind of bad decisions. I think about things that we sacrifice purposely for. Uh, Sometimes we sacrifice one job for a greater job. There's times that we sacrifice things like sleep for our children, because that's the season of life that I'm in right now. Um, I think about Lincoln. Sometimes he will sacrifice what he wants to do a bad attitude or temper tantrum or whatever he's doing because he doesn't want to be on Santa's naughty list. And that's what we're using right now. So just confessing from stage. Um, It's close to Christmas and his birthday's in November. So it just all works together for the glory of God. (laughs) But those are all things that we sacrifice. But then I was thinking about the sacrifice of God through Jesus how much greater it is. I mean, think about this. Even if, I mean, consider this. Even if Jesus was a, the Messiah and he was a teacher and he had this life of love, this message of hope, salvation for Israel and the nations. Even if it was just that the Romans misunderstood him and they thought he was trying to bring some kind of upheaval and they killed him. It would be, it would be humbling and it would be tragic that such a perfect life would be, be sacrificed. On the altar of political things. But then then you take it a step further. The gospel writers, they go they go further than that. They don't stop with the fact that Jesus just died. It wasn't just that he died or he was killed or he was murdered. But they used words like victory. They used words like glorious. They they talk of things like all of his enemies will be put under his feet because of his sacrifice. And it was because of the death and the resurrection that it wasn't just an accident. The claim of the gospel is that it was not an accident that Jesus died, but it was the plan of God. It wasn't that it was unfortunate that God sent his son into the world and they killed him. It was not that God made a bad decision that he sent his son into the world at a terrible time and the Roman Empire just happened to kill him. It wasn't that God didn't want to be on Santa's naughty list that Jesus died. But the fact is, is that 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 God sent his son into the world Because he loved humanity that much that he would give his life for us. Think about that. It was by the death and resurrection of Jesus that he would defeat oppression, injustice, hatred, guilt, shame, and the very curse of sin. And the entire idea of sacrifice is not that bizarre. When you see the reality that's sketched out, the shadow that's been sketched out and revealed in what Jesus does. If it points to a person that would give his life out of sacrificial love, it pretty much changes everything. See, it wasn't just about killing animals or having some kind of temple set up. But it was about a person who would give his life out of complete sacrificial love to rescue the entire world. You take that a step further, you have to kind of go into temples. You think about temple and in the ancient culture, the temple was a place where heaven and earth overlapped. We can read, of course, what God commanded his people, Israel. We read in other cultures that there's some really bizarre things of the way they worship the gods and thought that things overlapped. But but that was a meeting place. It was the place where you met with God for forgiveness, for sacrifice, to be in the presence of God. It was a place where you had the holy bread, you had the lampstand, you had the holy place where the Shekinah glory, the Holy Spirit would fill the temple. But it was only a sketch or a shadow because Jesus said, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. Jesus went around forgiving people and healing people, acting like he was this temple, (laughs) moving around on earth, bringing people into a relationship with God. See, Jesus is the place he is the new temple and he is the place where heaven and earth meet and he made this incredible claim that we are now the temple of God where God dwells that that somehow heaven and earth overlap through the church you think about the priest who would offer the sacrifices in that place the Jewish priest and even the priest in various religions they they perform these rituals so that you could have access to God I mean think about this They could it says they could not even sit down. They had to stand up all of the time because there was another sacrifice to be offered. There was another sin to be atoned for. There there was another ritual that had to be performed. But Jesus, as the better priest, he sat down and said that it was all leading to his body, which was where the shadow was all going. I want you to think about that. Jesus is better because his act of divine love said that he could sit down and say the work is finished. That all are now welcome, all are invited, all are loved. Forgiveness is available to everyone. Acceptance is available to everyone. Access to God is available to all. And I just want to pause there. Because this all sounds really good, especially for the Hebrew people. We no longer have to bring these sacrifices. We no longer have this system. But what does this even mean for all of us? I mean, does this have any relevance for us that... We live pretty much in a culture where, I mean, I don't have personally seen any animals sacrificed in Denver, who knows? But um, we, we really live in a different culture, so what does it mean for us? I, I think it actually has more importance than we may know, because we still do live in a time where things like this are said God is either non existent or He's somewhere far, far away, like Star Wars. We live in a culture that says, I have to earn my way into God's good graces if there is a God. That I have to earn my way to be loved. That I have to earn right standing with God. That there has to be some kind of sacrifice that I make or some kind of ritual or some kind of religion that gets me into a relationship with God. This is the good news. The good news is that all of this is already completed. The good news of Jesus says that through faith in Jesus... That he is here and present with us now, not somewhere far away. Emmanuel, God with us. The good news of Jesus says that I'm not earning my way into God's good grace, but I'm made right through the sacrifice of Jesus. The good news of Jesus says that I'm already loved, that God sees me as a valuable child in his eyes. The good news of Jesus is that I'm loved unconditionally, I'm forgiven, I'm accepted, I'm valued. And that I'm called part of the family of God through what Jesus has already done. And I think that this is this is probably important. I think one of the reasons that, that it is so important um, is because we don't have to go to a special person now to have a relationship with God. We don't have to sacrifice an animal or some kind of pagan sacrifice where they sacrifice their children. But we say the sacrifice of Jesus is enough not only enough but it's better I think it's important because you don't have to come to me and ask me if you can have forgiveness but you have access to go to God through Jesus and ask forgiveness for yourself and be accepted and loved that God would live and he would dwell in you and he would send you on a mission to change the world And see, it changes everything because this self-sacrificial love that he gave, I can now love others because I'm loved. I can now forgive others because I'm forgiven. And and the way I wanted to bring this home was with the karate kid and Mr. Miyagi, because I talk to teenagers a lot. If you you remember this, this scene, you have uh, Daniel's son is he he had he's learning to wax on, wax off. Anybody remember that? Surely there's people who watch the Karate Kid. If not, you should check it out and find the gospel in it somewhere. Wax on, wax off, and he has to paint the fence. You paint the fence up and down, you paint the fence left and right. You have to, uh, I think you had to do something with a saw. Sand the floor. Sand the floor, that's it. Sand the floor, daniel son. And he says, none of this makes any sense. I mean, he even, I remember the scene where he decides he's done with all this. Basically, he he curses Mr. Miyagi and says he'll walk away. And I thought about that. How many people have only seen the shadow and they curse God and walk away? But then I love the scene where Mr. Miyagi, he puts up his hands and, and he says, wax on, and wax off. He says, paint up and paint down. And something clicks that none of it was really about doing chores for Mr. Miyagi. None of it was really about waxing Mr. Miyagi's car and all of that. But there was a greater purpose that he would actually learn to do karate and be pretty good, movie-wise, if he learned to do all of these things. Could it be that throughout human history, God has been painting a picture about love and forgiveness, self-sacrificial love for us, That he would bring us to this place that would all point to Jesus and say, this is what it was all about. To put our faith and our trust in Jesus, who says it is finished. See, and that's my that's I think that's my challenge for us today is to ask ourselves, are we living in the shadow of a place of trying to earn our standing with God? Are we living in, in the shadow, in a place of trying to be our own priest, doing religious things and good deeds that are fine to try to get good standing with God? Or have we come to Jesus and realized that His work is finished, it's complete, and through faith in the Son of God who loved us, we can be called the children of God, forgiven, accepted, loved, and valued by God for eternity? And if you've, never, if you've never made that decision or come to that realization that Jesus has completed the work, I want to make an invitation to you to put your trust in the finished work of Jesus. And even further, if you are a follower of Jesus, I just want to challenge you to be reminded of the great sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be called the children of God. Let's pray together. God, thank you so much for who you are. Um, I pray that you would use my just feeble attempt to bring out some truths uh, from your word. God, to remind us of just how great the work of Jesus is. Throughout human history, you've been painting this picture to bring us to the finished work, the full revelation you said of the Son of God. God, we thank you that you've spoken to us through pictures and shadows and symbols throughout history, through prophets and angels, through Moses, and and through Abraham. God, we thank you that you have spoken to us now through your son, Jesus, who gave his life for us. I pray, God, that, that even if we have many more questions, that we would answer one question. Do I believe in the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ? And that it is sufficient for my mistakes, my failures, my sins? God, that if someone has... Has come to that realization today. That they would just come to you, they would be accepted. They would be born new, like new children. Be called part of the family of God. We love you. We thank you.